Southern Queries. I'm India Bastien. And I'm Aubrey Calvin. Together we explore being a part of the LGBTQ community in the South. A quick note on terminology. On this show, we let guests identify in the best way they're comfortable with. Some of the terms or topics might be different, new, or uncomfortable to you. That discomfort is part of what we're exploring together. We encourage you to listen with an open heart and continue these discussions with your larger community. We encourage any meaningful and politeful feedback. Thanks, and welcome to Southern Queries. Hey, India, how are you? Hey, Aubrey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Are you having a good week? Yes, and I'm very excited for our next guest. Um, I wanted to share a little backstory because I thought it was really fun. I was uh, having breakfast with my girlfriend at the time at this really cute breakfast place in Kirkwood, Atlanta. It's very popular, and you have to stand outside to get a table because the food there is so good. Um, but we, my girlfriend at the time and I, we were standing next to Rigel and Cam, and they were adorable and being all lovey, and we were adorable and being all lovey. That's what I'm telling myself. And there was an open table, um, and it could seat four people. And we had one of those moments where I looked over at my girlfriend, and I was like, we're gay. They're gay. We should all sit together. (laughs) So we invited them to sit with us, and we had kind of an impromptu double date. And at the time, Rigel and Cam had just bought their house, and they were celebrating having brunch. Um, So I've kept up with Rigel since then, and they blew up um, and now are a social media influencer. And I'm super pumped to have them on the show because I think they are doing some amazing things, not only um, as a you know, business Apple, professional, yeah. yeah, but also as um, Rogel Gemini and as a couple. And I think they're very inspiring and um, I think it's important to tell their story. That is so sweet. And that might be one of the sweetest, gayest, most extroverted stories ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I have more. <laughs> that's what I love about you because that's something I would never go up to strangers and say, hey, sit with us and let's form a friendship. So... I think that is so sweet. I'm excited to talk to Rigel. Well, to start out, Rigel Gemini is a musical artist, Instagrammer, YouTuber, blogger, and content creator from Atlanta, Georgia. His debut music video, I Can't, included celebrities such as Alyssa Edwards, Gia Gunn, and Arika Sato. Rigel has been featured in the Inside Influencers series with Thrive Global, recognized as an official ambassador for the LA Fashion Week, and listed as an artist to watch in Wussy Mag. He has worked with brands like Lexus, Hulu, Express, and more. His content includes advocacy for the LGBTQ and the queer, transgender, non-conforming communities. He also focuses on topics such as fashion, lifestyle, and travel. As a business professional, Rigel Cable has been recognized as a Business Insider's 35 Under 35 Rising Stars, is a regular LGBTQ plus contributor to Adweek Voices, and comments on influencer strategy with publications like Glossy. Rigel and his husband Cameron Lee live in Atlanta, Georgia with their two dogs and a cat. Welcome, Rigel, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. 
Thank you. So before we jump in, first I want to ask, how are you doing? How are you? <laughs> um, it's a question we have to ask everyone right now because we all have so much going on. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a very strange time and a lot of compounded things going on in the world. And I feel like um, us in the queer community um, and communities of color, um, we have a lot of existential stress on our minds. So that's just part of reality. Um, personally, I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm, I'm employed. I have a loving partner. We have a house. Um, so all of my bases are covered and I'm, I'm in a very privileged position in that way. Um, but I feel for my community. So it has been a really rough year emotionally, I think for everyone. Um, but I'm doing great. And thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) And can you tell us how you identify and why is that identity important to you? And also what pronouns do you use? Mm -hmm. Um, I identify as queer, um, and I use he, him, his pronouns. And my identity is important to me because, um, I've, I've kind of moved away from using gay or gay male identity terms for myself. I'm like, I'm fine with them, but personally, I wouldn't first describe myself that way. Um, and I use male pronouns, but I, I use those recognizing that I have a lot of femme qualities and I've definitely been someone who transgresses gender norms my whole life. Um, but I, I've kind of embraced, um, that duality in myself and I want to open and broaden the term male so that it has um, more fluidity to it. So that's kind of how I think about my identity. I love that. So I've heard queer being used in a derogatory sense, um, especially in older generations. How did you stumble upon the word queer? Um, I first think I heard the term queer in college. And I went to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire and was part of a bunch of the LGBTQ groups on campus um, where we were kind of activists and we would discuss um, social issues and our community. And the term queer, to my knowledge, was kind of emerging quite a bit back then. Um, And... And so I first heard it then I was like, okay, it, it felt like a radical term. And I don't think at that time I was quite as radical um, with my identity, even though I was who I am today. I think I just didn't think about it quite that way. And then as um, things have evolved, um, probably um, in the last like five years, I think, or six years, I've, I've just um, felt like I want to make sure that my identity is a political statement and also something that pushes people's comfort zones. Um, so I do know the word queer makes some people uncomfortable. Um, when I'm in a professional setting, I've used the term and people have asked me why I use that term and what it means. Um, and I think it's a great moment to have dialogue. Um, so I love that the term sparks curiosity and um, and definitely has that history, of course, of being a derogatory term that's been reclaimed. So um, I love that whole complexity and, and the reaction and conversation that it brings. Love that. I do the same. Love that. You moved to Atlanta from California. 
What made you think about Atlanta and how is it different here in the South compared to Los Angeles? Um, yeah, so my husband and I moved from California, LA to Atlanta in 2017. And we both had spent eight or nine years each um, in California at that time. We lived in San Francisco, <laughs> excuse me, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And um, and we both, you know, had loved California, um, had a wonderful experience there. And we were really looking for a way to settle down. And California is the most expensive state in the country. And the cities there are like unbelievably pricey rents. And um, and it was really coming down to like, where did we feel like we could have a good quality of life and um, still have that sense of the LGBTQ community. Um, so we were looking for a place that was warmer. Um, so we kind of made a list and um, I'm a pretty analytical person. So we were like, okay, what are the warm places with the LGBTQ population? that has culture and is like a progressive growing place. Um, so we were looking at Atlanta and Texas and Miami and, um, you know, different places on the Southern part of the country, um, Arizona, like we looked at different cities and Atlanta really filled every box. And my cousin lived here. Um, so I had already, I had visited her once and I came back from the trip. Like I, I just kind of went around the city and, checked out restaurants and cafes and just try to get a sense of the layout and like the the energy of the city and I came back from that trip to LA and I was like Cam I really loved Atlanta you know we had seen Atlanta captured in television you know from Real Housewives but also like um, we knew the entertainment industry was moving there because with actor friends in LA we just knew that there was a big migration happening so it was on our radar and I came back from that trip and I was like you know, Cam, um, it was really amazing. I was like, maybe I'm crazy. So I need you to verify this with me and we need to go visit. And then you can tell me if you think the same. But um, I think that it's like a really artistic and creative and vibrant place. And so then Cam and I planned a trip together um, and we stayed again with my cousin and then also with a friend who lived in Atlanta. Um, in kind of the Reynoldstown area and they were such a great host and um, kind of took us around and took us to places like the goat farm um, and you know the different food scenes in Atlanta and from that moment like Cam definitely got and we went actually we also explored the nightlife which was so cool we went to um, some queer events um, I think La Choloteca was one that we went to it was like a it was like a yeah it was like an industry like space it was just it was kind of like a um, cool party but anyways we we came back from that and Cam was like okay we need to move like now and I was like wait <laughs> I thought we're doing this maybe in like a year or two like I've still got some LA years left to me and he was like no we need to move like now he's like there's no reason to stay here <laughs> and I was like okay so I kind of had to wrap my head around that um and then we we like planned it out and within like two months um that was in April that we visited and then by July we had moved to Atlanta and it really all just grew from there like we've had no regrets of the move. Um, and 
it's been everything that we wanted in terms of community and creativity and progress and growth and you know new things happening all the time and new places to go and new things to see you know very um modern and progressive place um and it's just so much less chaotic and stressful than life in like LA or New York from my experience both places I've lived um had been so I just in terms of the south and like what it's like being in the south um there's there's so much so much of a queer community in the south and I feel like coming from places like LA and New York that's something people don't necessarily realize there. Um, and when I, when we were moving to Atlanta, people were like, why are you doing that? And people actually asked, like, is everything okay? And I was like, yes, you just don't realize this is a great place. Um, you should come visit. Um, so it's been really interesting because I, I never thought I would live in Atlanta. Um, I didn't know much about it. And I'm from the North. I lived in California. Um, it just never was even in my... Um, list of possibilities and um but it's being queer in the south I think like Atlanta's a bubble and a haven and a progressive place so we love it here it it is very different to be in a place with such a deeply conservative um you know voter base just outside the city like driving into the country and seeing how many Trump signs there are or having a governor who is constantly fighting against our community or the communities that we are fighting with, like communities of color and immigrants. Um, and it's, it's, it's a different experience because you definitely can't take anything for granted in the South. And obviously as a country, apparently we can't take anything for granted in general, like um, proven by our president, but sure. um, yeah, but California, you just have like a level of comfort in consistency and I think in the south a lot of that is in question um but the main thing for us is that like the the quality of life and community is so strong that you know it it really is a wonderful place that was such a beautiful testament to why Atlanta is so great I really resonated (laughs) with everything that you said um so Rigel Something that I thought was really interesting in that whole segment, you said you were very analytical. So um, I want to learn a little bit more, but I know that by day you're a director of SEO and analytics at a digital marketing firm. And by night, I know you're an online influencer and a music artist. That is a very tech-driven life for someone who like grew up, grew up off the grid. Tell me more. What, what did your parents think about your different careers? you know, I want to know more. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Because I've talked to my parents a lot about like my journey. um, And I'm glad to talk about my parents, actually, because they're such a big part of who I am. Um, So I did grow up off the grid. I grew up in a solar and windmill powered house. um, And, and my parents are um, very progressive and liberal. I say that they're hippies. They say we're not hippies. So I will say that they're hippies so that you can understand a bit of their mentality, but they're very proud of their, you know, hard work ethic and um, everything they've done. Like my dad created our, our homestead in New Hampshire and it's totally self-sufficient. Um, you know, it has its own water, its own garden and solar power that powers the house and growing up it was a lot less um 
advanced than it is now. Um, they've built it up over the years. It's, it's expensive to build that type of lifestyle. But um, when I was a kid, like if it wasn't sunny out, um, I had, you know, I couldn't use the microwave or watch the color television. <laughs> um, so it was very different, um, rustic type of lifestyle. And, but I think like, it's very different than if we were living that way because it was the religious conservatism or something like that. So it's a, it was a, it was a rustic life, but still very open and progressive. And my parents encouraged and allowed me to be fully who I am from a very young age. Um, and that's been one of the biggest forming factors of my life is that um, I've never felt, and I'm so privileged and fortunate that I was born to them, um, but I've never, I've never felt that pressure to, um, to change who I am or to restrict myself. Um, like as a kid, I wanted to be a mermaid and I was a witch for Halloween and I like would play dress up and with my girlfriends and we would have like sock boobs and walk around the house and stuff. And that was just, um, my parents never looked at me with a disapproving look. And, um, you know, I grew up in a community that was very progressive. Their friends were all progressive. So when we had play dates and I just feel like I was very protected, um, which, which just shows me like, for me, I, I really, um, I know that most people's experience isn't like that. And I just know how much of a, how much of a pain that can be um, and a burden. Um, so, so in terms of lifestyle, how did I end up where I am? Um, my dad's, um, my dad, his career was a computer programmer. Um, and even though we were rustic, my parents have always been technophiles and embraced technology. So it's an interesting combination. Like they weren't against, electricity because um, they didn't like mo moder modernity or like um, technology. It was just a lifestyle choice that they wanted their footprint on the earth to be very small. Um, but technology can be a green, um, a green thing. You know, it doesn't have to use a lot of energy. We always had laptops instead of desktop computers for most of the time because they were low power and internet was rough in rural area. We had, you know, dial up and even to this day, they, they don't have um, like super fast internet there. Um, but anyways, technology was always embraced. And my dad is a computer um, scientist and, you know, his brain is like engineering math. So I grew up with that perspective. And then my mom is a social activist and she, um, her career was in the hospital um, healthcare system as a lab technologist and a medical technologist. And so I think I had two very, and my dad's very creative. He built our house with his two hands and it's a circular house with like a glass roof and it's a beautiful creation. So my dad's also very creative. So I think I just grew up with two very left brain and right brain people. Um, and going into life, um, I found a career path that allowed me to be both as well. Like I do analytics and SEO, um, which are left brain type skills, but in a creative space, um, cause we're working in marketing, we're working with brands. So, um, and then my nightlife, um, music and influencer, you know, I just, I think that's also like my Gemini nature. I love to have multiple facets and I, I don't like to be limited by one facet. So I've just really tried to grow a duality in my own life of like, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this too. Um, and it's, 
it's been fulfilling for me to feel like um, I have multiple paths. Um, but yeah, it's a mix of many different, many different things. And um, it's definitely been influenced by my parents. Um, and I think the only other thing I'll add is like, I've, I've gone into a lifestyle that's much more, um, you know, city and um, social and events and, you know, a much more um, glamorous type world than where where my parents um the world that my parents have created for themselves so that has been a very different path in life and I've had some really interesting conversations with my parents about it like what do you think about me like being glamorous and traveling around (laughs) and stuff and um and you know they're just so wonderful because they just said you know do whatever you love in life that's all we've ever wanted and that's why we set you up and encouraged you your whole life is because we did what we want to do. And we know you have values from what we taught you and we want you to do what you want to do. So it really did come full circle. And um, I'm really blessed that way. Oh, that's Aww. beautiful. That's, so that's beautiful. a perfect parent answer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, hearing you talk about your parents, it makes me understand your story a little bit more in terms of the expressiveness, the creativeness. I mean, you're a queer influencer. And I think that's something interesting because I don't know if we would have had the term queer influencer 10 or 15 years ago. Um, And you use your platform in like so many different ways. There's branding, there is, um, there's the artistic work that you and Cameron do, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, it just your, your platform seems to be very diverse. Uh, how did Rigel Gemini develop? And then how do you use it now for activism and awareness work? Yeah, so um, Rigel Gemini, um, I came up, my husband and I came up with that name. You'll, it, you'll find with a lot of my pursuits and creativity, um, my husband Cameron has been a really um, core voice um, and given me a lot of the ideas that I've had. So it's it's been as much my own journey as you know my husband's creative ideas coming to life. So back when I lived in Los Angeles um, in 2015, um, I was looking for kind of a new hobby or path. Um, to explore. And the funny part that um, I've quoted is my husband was like, you need a hobby besides shopping online and going to brunch. <laughs> it's like, okay, true. And I don't see the like, problem with those things. I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> I'm offended and I'm hurt. <laughs> I, I, I didn't stop doing either of those, but I did, I did agree I needed something fulfilling to focus. And Cam knows that I love to express myself and speak out and all of that. So he was like, have you thought about doing blogging? My friends had suggested it too. They'd be like, you, you'd be a good YouTuber. And I had never explored that. Um, so in 2015 or so, I really started diving into the world of social media and Instagram. And I created my blog, RigelGemini.com. And the rest is history there. But um, as far as the name, um, my name's Rigel and I'm a Gemini. And as far as like something that describes me, I think I really embodied the Gemini 
zodiac sign um, in terms of who I am and my self-expressiveness and communication. My birthday is the first day of Gemini. My husband, Cameron, is also a Gemini. Um, we're born two days apart in different years, but um, we're both like very strong Geminis. Um, so it really fit as a self-descriptor. And I, I love that the sign has duality because I think it applies to my life in so many aspects um, in terms of gender, in terms of um, expression and interests and creativity versus analytical mind, which is what we talked about. Like, I just feel like that descriptor is very accurate. And um, I found out only this year um, in my own astrology, not only am I the first day of Gemini, but um, the star Rigel is actually always in Gemini. It's a fixed star. So astrologically, I didn't even know this until this year, but when I looked at the stars and how they align with the zodiac symbols, Rigel, my name, which is a star, is always aligned with Gemini. So that kind of blew my mind. I was like, I had no idea there was even that symbolism. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... It's almost as if the universe has willed you into existence. I swear. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's so amazing. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I I was really shocked by that combination. So there's definitely like a cosmic meaning behind the name and it's become my brand. And as far as the platform, like I feel really um, obligated and that it's my duty and joy to try to use my voice in any way that I can to support our greater community and to fight for people who, um, you know, are part of this struggle and have their own struggles in, in the world and in the U S. Love it. Wow. Um, I just, uh, what type of music do you make and like, what's your goals? Like what, what are your dreams as far as a music career? Um, yeah. So music is a totally new thing for me in the Rigel Gemini sphere. Um, Growing up, I have been um, always connected to music. Like I grew up doing musical theater. I actually had a synthesizer when I was a kid. And on those laptops I mentioned, I had sound editing software and I was mixing stuff when I was like in fourth grade and sixth grade. And that was a hobby of mine. Um, And I made CDs and I made songs and I'd record myself and Um, had some drum machines and stuff. And so I did have that early in life. And it's funny, I feel like a lot of my life now, I don't know if this is the pattern in your 30s, but I feel like I'm pursuing things from when I was eight years old and these dreams that I had then that I thought were left behind and in the past, I'm going back and like reigniting them. It's in, so it's really kind of- What is that? It's your Saturn return. It's oh. a logical thing. When you turn 30, your Saturn returns back into your sphere and you revisit things that might have been lost dreams as a child. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to Google later. that. I'm going to Google astrology. So I'm like, oh, yes, 30? Totally. I Okay, I'm now going to like go down a Wikipedia wormhole after this of yeah. learning all about that because that's totally what's happening. Um, so like my music, again, it's like something I'm revisiting and I started it as really just like a fun project 
where I was like, I want to do a song. I can do this. Um, I, I love music. I've been keeping like a playlist of top songs that I update every week for like five or six years um, in Spotify. And wow. so, yeah, so it's been like music is something I absolutely love. And I love to dance and I love nightlife because of the music and like the immersive music experience. Um, and so I just knew it was something I wanted to try. Um, I had no idea that it would become my new big passion. Um, it's been so fulfilling. And as far as my aspirations, I think like one of the things that is important is just that it's fun and that I enjoy it. It has been so transformative and I really just want to keep exploring and trying new things. And when the pandemic's over, I'm really looking forward to also performing live and trying out audiences and clubs and performing with friends and that is something I've not been able to do and I'm going to just wait until the right time. But that's a whole other journey that I'm, I know will happen. It's going to be so good because I've <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed watching your evolution of music. I've been watching all your releases. So, and I love them all. Um, one that really caught my attention was your YouTube um, single, or I don't know if we call it YouTube single, your single, I can't. Um, I know that YouTube removed the video uh, because there was it, it was targeted as a homophobic attack. Um, has YouTube ever responded to your appeal? Um, what is there a different version? Like what happened there? Because I loved yeah. that video and I thought it was amazing, and I was both sad and horrified that that happened. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really upsetting. Um, it was my first single and music video. And um, I had put a month of work and so much of my financial resources into it and working with really amazing talent like Alyssa Edwards and Gia Gunn and Arika Sato and um, Beehawk Snipes from Pose and just people I respect. And we had created this a fun and amazing video. And I think it was one of the first like cast ensemble virtual music videos to be yeah. released during that time. And it was just, and that was Cam's idea, of course. Um, <laughs> so he again came with an amazing idea. Um, but yeah, so like the video launched and then I think a day or two, maybe up to a week later, I got this notice that the video was being considered for removal because of being reported. Um, and it was really upsetting. Um, I, um, I fought really hard. I had lawyers involved. I had, there's amazing, um, there's an amazing organization called new media rights. Um, and I also hired a lawyer named Ted Nguyen who specializes in like creative influencers and they helped me write a letter and contact YouTube and new media rights actually, um, does this type of work pro bono because they're a nonprofit and they're lawyers who take on cases um, in their spare time to support creatives. So if you're an artist and you're having problems with new media, like social media and, um, and just any sort of issues with your creativity that are limiting you from being successful, that's an amazing organization. So the lawyers took it on, but 
you know, basically during quarantine, YouTube's review process and um, content, like um, content and guideline process was kind of broken because they didn't have enough staffing to, to manage their review process properly. So the video was removed a month after I got that first notice. And I was so upset. Um, and I did re-upload it and do a re-release. And then YouTube did contact me and say, basically, we're sorry. We agree with you. It shouldn't have been taken down. And they reinstated it. So there's now two versions of the video. I felt very satisfied that I won that situation. <laughs> Does that sound real? Does that sound fake? As usual, we're overdressed. Whatever. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I loved the video I can't it's my understanding that cam also helped you decorate the scenes because you did everything during current quarantine he, right yeah. he did everything I mean he built the set he did my makeup he helped come up with the styling he came up with the concept for each of the spaces he filmed all of it on my phone um and you know had the tripods and a gimbal like I mean it was it was three full like 15 hour days of work. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we did it. I came to party. I can't. But why are we even here? I can't. I won't. I don't. So don't, bitch. Every time. <sighs> I know. Did you just. Get with the program. Okay. <sighs> Blow in from the jetty. So um, you've mentioned that your husband... Uh, Cameron is an artist. What type of art does he do? And how did you two meet? Oh, that's a good story. Um, so, okay. So Cam is an artist, um, creative director and real estate agent. And in terms of art, he um, has a, has a um, major in fine art. And so he knows, you know, painting, um, photography, and illustration, graphic design, um, and in general just has an incredible eye where if he can see something and understand how it was put together, he can recreate it. So he's even started like with using, doing woodworking at our house and building things like he, he has no limit to his creative ability. Um, so that's been amazing. And he does sell his art, um, CameronLeeArt.com. Um, he's done some photography series. Um, he did um, three different art photo collage series, which each had their own launch. Um, you can see all of that artwork. And then he's done some incredible paintings and visual art. So um, so that's, that's amazing to watch. And I loved how, especially with the music, we're able to join creative forces. And then my forces around like, making things happen and growing them. I think that's been a really fun new aspect to our relationship as well. Something that Cameron is excited about and something that has been so exciting for me. So um, that's been a really great journey. And an another, again, new thing during the pandemic that is just another way that this year has 
has pushed in new directions in unexpected ways. Um, but yeah, he um, he and I met in San Francisco in the Castro um, at a bar called The Cafe. Um, and it, it's been a well-known bar in San Francisco for a long time. I'm pretty sure it's still around. Um, and the night that we went to, I think was their Friday night, Friday night party or Saturday, I don't remember anyways, but it was called Boy Bar. Um, and it was, I always say we found love in a hopeless place because it was not a place you would go to like meet your next husband or whatever. <laughs> it was a place where you would go to, you know, meet somebody for the evening or whatever. And um, it was very much like a, a, you know, pose, look everyone over, you know, look as cool as you can type of place. Um, but I, I'm not like that, or I try not to be like that. So Cam says that he came up to me because I was the only person in the bar that was smiling and Aww. laughing. Oh, and... that's so sweet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just love love stories. <laughs> I love meet cutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was a meet cute. We had a moment. Um, I, I was at the bar and I was with my friends and I was single and I had been single for a while and just lo- like enjoying living my own life and being an independent woman. <laughs> um, and, and so Cam came up to me and he was like, Hey, um, I just wanted to let you know that you have a really nice smile and hi. And Aww. I think I was like flustered for a moment. So I was like, Oh my God, thank you. And like take a sip of my drink and like look back away. And then my friend like elbows me, Chris, my friend Chris. And I'm so glad he did this because I don't know what would have happened, but he was like, Rigel, that guy was really cute. And I was like, he was. So I turned back around. This was a couple of drinks then. Um, I turned back around and I looked at him and he was really handsome and he is really handsome. And I was like, so I actually reached out and pulled him in and kissed him. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so the rest is history, but um, we met and immediately started spending time together every day. And whatever cosmic reasons and cosmic forces are in our lives, like we were drawn together and really our souls have intertwined and we got married in 2015 in California. Um, we've been together um, 10 years in April of next year. So Ooh, it's, wow. yeah, so yeah. Um, so I'd love, I guess I just, with our story, you know, we found love in a hopeless place. It's about positivity and just like trying to draw the energy that you're looking for. And I guess Cam, if he were on the interview, would say like his big moment was that he went out and spoke to someone that he wanted to talk to instead of waiting for someone to come up and talk to him. So that's how we we tell this story together always. Um, but I think that's a really good message for anyone who's looking for a relationship is, you know, look for the energy that's your energy and put out the energy that you're looking for. And then be bold and and talk to the people you want to talk to. Don't just wait for the first person that talks to you. So, yeah. Well, and I just, I'm thinking back to when we met, it, you had just bought the house yeah. and it was, 
it's just so lovely to see your journey and hear more about your journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm just like, oh, I love love stories. <laughs> Thank you. I love the boldness of it. I love how bold he was trying to talk to you. I love how bold you were kissing him. It's just so amazing. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay. So we do want to kind of wrap it up a little bit. And we do try to end on the same question that we ask a lot of our guests. So what does being queer in the South mean to you? And why is it important for us to talk about this? Yes. Okay. Very big and important question. Um, Being queer in the South has been really unifying in new ways for me. Um, again, because I think you take a lot less for granted than you do in places like maybe New York or California. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a constant fight, Um, you know, protection of trans people in the workplace or um, healthcare. and, And then the fact that the South is the home to so many Black people and immigrant people, um, it's a it's a it's a world that the the struggle of people of color is at the forefront, and it's something that we all have to focus on, um, including those of us who are white or mixed. Um, like I'm mixed, um, so that is one of the biggest struggles. Like discrimination, gerrymandering, um, all of these things are very alive and well in the South. So um, being queer in the South is all about intersectionality and um, and requires a lot more fight, I think, than it does to live in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think out of that comes some of the most amazing creativity. I mean, that's why you see Atlanta producing some of the top music and visual art and um, voices coming out of this generation, you know, out of pain and struggle comes amazing creativity. So I think moving to the South, we, we've been around a lot more real down to earth people um, who care about the community and care about our collective good in a really genuine way. Um, And I just think there's a lot to be done. Um, and I think it's just to be queer in the South is um, really joining in that fight and um, and coming together as this creative and vibrant community that we are. So um, yeah, that's what it means to me. Love it. Love it. So Rigel, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show and um, to keep up with Rigel Gemini, you can find his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and any other music platform. For social media, just search for Rigel Gemini on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on YouTube, I highly recommend checking out his amazing videos, Gorgeois, I Can't, and Day Night. Thank you so much for being here today. I loved all of your answers and I can't wait to see a live performance when we can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that would be amazing. (laughs) Thank you both for having me. Um, Really enjoyed the conversation. I love what you're doing. So thanks. I just can't with everybody. I mean...
that is all for today, y'all. India and I would love it if you would follow us on social media. Subscribe to us to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Southern Queries. Some credits. Production. Your host, India and Aubrey. Audio mixing by Allison Holly. Story research, Aubrey Calvin. Editing, India Bastian. This is Southern Queries. Enjoy the clip of I Can't by Rigel Gemini. I'm that bitch, I'm the boss. I'm supersonic, so hypnotic. Boys, they want to get this. Talk, talk, clap, clap, lip, lip, smack, smack. Bye.